Well, guys, tonight uh, we have a amazing treat. Um, and when I say amazing treat, I mean an amazing treat. Uh, it's been really fun for me the last few weeks uh, not teaching. Uh, it's hard because I love teaching. Uh, but for the next few weeks after this as well, uh, I'm not going to be teaching. And what's awesome is God has brought people into my life uh, who I am extremely confident in their teaching ability. But more than their teaching ability, um, just their ability uh, to truly be in connection with God. Uh, and uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Claude uh, a few months ago, Man, it's, it's actually probably been close to eight months now, and uh, uh, Claude and I met, and we talked, we went and ate burgers together, because burgers are great, uh, and we connected like right away, and uh, Claude, in the relationship that he and I have, have formed, uh, that has been growing since I met, uh, Claude is truly a brother of mine, uh, and he's the kind of guy who when things get rough, uh, Claude's going to be one of the guys I call. Um, because Claude, not only does he love Jesus, not only does he love his family, uh, but he loves people. And, and I think that's really awesome. And, and guys, we are so privileged tonight to hear from my brother Claude. Just a little bit about Claude. Some of you probably met Claude a little while back uh, when we went and we hung out with a 90s night uh, over at Agape. Uh, Claude and his wife Diana uh, and his two kids, uh, God has called them uh, in some new direction. Uh, and, and so they are going and they're following what the Lord uh, is leading them uh, to do and uh, some really cool things are going to be taking place across the river in Vancouver uh, so we're just really excited we're praying as a group for Claude you and your family uh, but guys let's give a wonderful let's uh, let's actually we did this for Pastor Dave last week so we got to do it for Claude this week I want you guys to stand to your feet uh, and give my brother Claude uh, an amazing Ecclesia Young Adults welcome tonight yeah. Standing ovation, that's the first. <laughs> How you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. Awesome. Uh, Pastor Matthew, thank you so much. Um, I'm humbled. Um, to receive your invite uh, to come here and, and share with these uh, wonderful fine students this evening. Um, uh, God bless you, dude. I'm so thankful to God that you're in my life. Um, you've been a very instrumental in a lot of decisions that I make, and uh, I praise God for you. So I'm very thankful for our friendship that God has formed. And the burgers that we have all the time in my case. <laughs> um, I'll give you guys a little bit of an overview of kind of who I am and talk a little bit about what's really precious to me. Um, so if we can get that first photo up really quickly. These are my angels. Uh, this is my son Jonah. It's baby Jonah. And that's my, my little daughter Chloe. Um, this was us at a, at a park over in Fisher's Landing. And uh, I got them to stay still for like a few seconds. Well, Jonah didn't have an option because he was in a swing. Uh, but these are my beautiful children that I'm so gracious for. This is my uh, beautiful wife standing next to that ugly dude. <laughs> looking scruffy. Uh, her name's Diana, and uh, I've been married with her. We're going to be going on nine years, mm -hmm. actually, which is really rad. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, very thankful for her. And um, like one new thing that's kind of happening is that I've been doing ministry since I was 18 years old. So I started pretty young. I'm 30 years, years old now. I'm still not old. Um, but essentially when I got married, like Diana like was with me in ministry, but not really. She was kind of more like, I'm praying for you, I'm supporting you do your thing. But here, like the last 
past couple months, I really feel like God is moving in her life in a very great way, that God wants to use her, not only me in ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when it comes to marriages, uh, we got to be there with our wives in terms of ministry moving forward. So I kind of feel like in the past she was like not a back burner, but she was kind of behind me, where now we're like side by side doing ministry together. So it's totally rad what God is doing in her life. And she's like a huge Beth Moore fan. I mean, I mean, God's really inspiring her through the Holy Spirit in so many ways that's blessing me on a daily basis. And uh, one last photo as well I want to show you guys. This is again Chloe, uh, more of a, an upfront photo. Isn't she beautiful, you guys? Just, uh, she's so beautiful. Um, I want to give you guys just a little quick um, a testimony about Chloe. And uh, I'm a friend with a few of you guys on Facebook. Uh, Bo, I'm with you on Facebook. I love your posts. They crack me up all the time. You guys, see, speaking of that rabbit trail, but you guys see his post about the attorney? That, that there's some guy in Winston-Salem, he's like, you know, just because you did it doesn't mean you're guilty. I said it to my friend that that's actually going to law school. He was cracking up. Um, so anyway, that's awesome. So uh, some of you guys that are connected with me on Facebook, maybe you saw this photo, and you saw a little uh, um, a brief testimony that I had. Um, so Chloe is a miracle. Um, Diana was pregnant, I think, around, uh, probably like around the seventh month mark. I don't know the weeks off the top of my head. The women know all that stuff. The 37th week, 34th week, I don't know. I know my month. But we were given some news that was, a, that was rather dismal. And uh, the news was um, from uh, Diana's OBGYN that, uh, Diana, there's a problem. Um, Chloe's heartbeat has become, well, your, your, your child, we didn't name her yet, but uh, so that your child's heartbeat um, has become irregular, and uh, we're having a difficult time really kind of tracing it and seeing exactly if there's something more. So, um, the OBGYN recommended us um, uh, to some high-risk pregnancy specialists. And as soon as I heard that high-risk pregnancy specialist, that can't be a good thing, right? Um, so we went there. Um, they came up with a prognosis after running multiple ultrasound and tests and analyses. And uh, we were given the news that Chloe is going to require open heart surgery day one when she was born. Um, they said they're very concerned she does have a hole in her heart. Um, they have to operate immediately. So I'm just like kind of petrified. It's our first child. It's like, you know, Lord, I'll be faithful through it all. But God, maybe you've got something else. And the Spirit of God kind of moved that told me, you know what, you know, Claude and, and Diana. Um, don't let that be the last of it. Why don't you guys get a second opinion? <coughs> so we did. We got a second opinion, and uh, we visited this lady, Dr. Um, Miro, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. And um, she's a pediatric cardiologist, fantastic woman, has been in medicine for many, many years. She did all the tests, saw everything the exact same way that the, that the high-risk pregnancy folks saw, but she had a different prognosis. She said this. She's like, look, I get what the high-risk folks are saying, but... My gut feeling is telling me for you guys to hold off on proceeding with the surgery. I have a feeling that Chloe's um, heart pattern is going to become regular. It's going to regulate. Her heartbeat will become normal. And from what is irregular, will become regular in a very short period of time. And on top of that, I believe that um, her heart is going to close up within a few years. So this was not a, pop- a popular uh, prognosis, so to speak, from, the, from a scientific medical approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear a doctor saying that, based on my gut feeling, I yeah. think you should do this. No, it's based on these results, this analysis, move forward with the respective procedures. But we prayed about it, we seek the Lord, and uh, we decided to go um, with the second opinion that we received. Mm-hmm. So Chloe was born, 
and uh, I'm never going to forget, she came a month premature, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we went into the hospital, and like, there's like all these nurses in the labor delivery room, and the look on their faces, they were like, this is not good. And I read right through it, and I'm like, oh, Lord. So at the time, I went to Grace Chapel at East Calvary Chapel Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I told Pastor Marlon, Pastor Marlon, I need you guys to pray. Because I'm looking here at the nurses and doctors, and they got the deer in the headlights look, and that can't be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw them. They saw the readings of, of a heartbeat. It was really irregular. Mm-hmm. Um, so we prayed. We seek the Lord. Chloe was born. Immediately, they transferred her to the NICU. And of course, as a father, I'm like freaking out. I'm like in tears. I'm crying. I'm like, Lord, your hands are over her. God, just give us the faith to believe. She was in there in the NICU, so uh, I went to go pray. I kind of went over in the um, in one of the rooms. I just started seeking the Lord, and I came back to the NICU, and Chloe wasn't there. I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to cut someone's head off. Where's my daughter? You know. <laughs> and, uh, and I found one of the nurses. I'm like, well, what happened to my daughter? Where's Chloe? She's not here anymore. She's like, oh, after 30 minutes, her heartbeat became regular, and she's out of here, actually. She's back and she's stabilizing right now. So I'm like, praise, praise God. And then on top of that, uh, just two weeks ago, we went to go see a pediatric cardiologist to run some more tests on Chloe, and the hole that was in her heart has been fully closed. So the beauty of it is, is that we, we serve a God. That is not just a theory. That is not just a hypothesis. But he is someone that who is real. He is tangible, and he listens to prayers to of his people. Um, so I'm just so gracious and so thankful um, for my beautiful daughter, and uh, for God to work such in a powerful way, where uh, He receives all the glory for her. Um, so praise God for that. So let's get into the war. That was a little bit of a quick intro, and let me get my Fiji water in here. This is. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the story behind the Fiji water. That's good. You guys don't need to know. It's fine. That's a good water, though, but too fancy for my water. Um, all right, so I'm going to read a few passages from scriptures, and then I'm going to pray over tonight. Um, so open up your Bibles. You guys have your Bibles? Open up to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 7. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 7. This is a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, You know it all together. You hem in me, you hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? Dear Lord, I pray, Lord God, right now in this moment, Jesus, Mm -hmm. that... Um, all the distractions just be put to silence. God, as we are here, I pray, Father, that your spirit will bring peace in our hearts right this moment, Lord God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will prepare our hearts for what it is that you have to say, God. We believe that you are the word 
And that you speak through your holy scriptures, Lord God, and you speak through the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Father, I pray that we be attentive to what, you, what it is you have to say tonight, Lord God. I pray for good ground. I pray, Lord God, that our hearts will be receptive and open to receive what it is you have to say to us, God. So, Lord Jesus, tonight as I prepare this message to speak about your presence, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you give me wisdom and knowledge and understanding to be able, Lord God, to impart your word as it is written, Father. And I pray for everybody here, Lord God, that might be at, at different, different roads or different paths right now or, or might be at a point in position where they are in desperate need of your guidance, in mm. desperate need of your direction, in desperate need of your presence. Lord God, I pray that you bring clarity tonight. Mm. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will just ignite a fire in all of our hearts, Lord God, yeah. to be rekindled in your warm, embracing presence, God. Mm. So, Jesus, bless this word, bless this evening, Lord God, and may you receive all the glory in the name. Amen. Yeah, I don't have a MacBook Pro, and this is a, this is a Lenovo ThinkPad. You guys know what a Lenovo ThinkPad is? Two of you, nice. So tonight, you guys, what I'm going to be speaking on, and just so you guys know, I didn't just like pick a random sermon or pick a recycled sermon out of my stash and decided to bring it to you guys. Um, and typically, and I know Matthew does this too, what I do, I seek the Lord in prayer. Um, and God, what it is that you have for this uh, wonderful group of students. Um, I don't want it to be my words, I want it to be your words. And uh, the Spirit of God came over me about a few uh, weeks ago and, uh, and said, speak about my presence. Speak mm -hmm. about my presence. Um, so this evening we'll be talking about the presence of God and we're going we're gonna to try to bring forth answers uh, to five questions. Five questions, okay? Uh, the first question is going to be, what is the presence of God? What exactly is it? Uh, number two, what is omnipresence? You guys might have heard this term before, maybe you haven't. <laughs> we're going to dive into that to see exactly what omnipresence is. The third question is, what is the correlation between the manifest presence of God and the omnipresence of God? Okay? The fourth question is going to be, can I depart from the presence of God? And lastly is, can I draw close to the presence of God? So I pray that the Spirit's going to lead and we're going we're gonna to get some answers going to these questions that potentially maybe you might have some questions as well that are similar to this. So first piece is this. What is the presence of God? The definition of presence, if you look in a standard dictionary, is the fact of being in a particular place, the state of being present, the area that is close to someone or something that is seen or noticed in a particular place or area. The most common Hebrew term for presence is panaim. Panaim, and there's a lot of significance to this because it is translated to face. That presence can be translated to face, and this is very similar that when Moses was in the, the panaim of God, he was face-to-face -face with God. That's when he was in his presence communicating with God. And uh, I don't know, have any of you guys heard of uh, Brother Lawrence? You guys heard of that guy? Um, pretty remarkable. Would you guys read his book, The Practice of the Presence of God? Read it. It's a short book, and uh, it's pretty remarkable. And Brother Lawrence was, um, he, uh, he was a cook at a monastery, all right? He was uh, no one fancy, um, but he wasn't like a Carl Lentz. He wasn't, uh, 
a high priest. He wasn't. He was. He was a nobody, so to speak, from the world's eyes. But in the eyes of God, boy, was he precious. And uh, and he took this initiative to take his job so seriously and take his task at hand that he made the solemn commitment that God, I will seek your presence in everything that I do, from cooking, from washing dishes, from serving. And he had such an amazing close relationship with God that you would expect this man to be. Um, high-end senior pastor and overseer, he has such an intimate relationship with God that is rather remarkable. And for me, it's very encouraging because this is the kind of God that we serve, that he's not only going to have a relationship with the high-end guys that have their master's degrees in theology that, Lord willing, I'll be working on, um, or he only has relationships with, with rulers and leaders and so forth, but he has relationship. He has a relationship with anyone and wants to have that form of solemn, close-knit relationship. And the definition that Brother Lawrence gave on the presence of God is one of my favorites, and he says this. The presence of God is the concentration of the soul's attention on God, remembering that he is always present. I'll read that again. The presence of God is the concentration of the soul's attention on God, remembering that he is always present. Mm -hmm. And reading this guy's letters and reading his book and other people that have wrote about him, he literally took this to heart and he practiced it and he applied it on a daily basis. So when I do say presence of God, how many of you here have experienced the presence of God? Okay, you've experienced it. Um, and a few of you haven't lifted up your hands, and I pray that tonight that you'll experience the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Because there is something very unique and remarkable that when people are gathered in the name of this, uh, this Messiah named Jesus, mm-hmm. um, there is a presence that becomes manifest. And you actually get to physically feel something. That was rather remarkable. <coughs> Remember the first time I, I went to a prayer. I was a, I was a non-believer. Had, I, I, could, I said I, went, I believed in God, but I really didn't. I went to church once a year, went to Easter, clocked in, clocked out. I'm good to go, right? Um, but I never felt God's presence. And I remember just going one time to prayer and just started crying like a little baby. And I'm like, all right, this is something different here. I mean, I literally physically felt something. I felt something that was going inside of me and just clean me out and take a burden off. And um, So there's actually a physical presence that God works. Um, but before we get into that manifest physical presence, let's talk a little bit about omnipresence. Before we understand the meaning of omnipresence, we need to understand something. In this psalm that I read at the beginning, um, these passages here are an exaltation to God. And what David is exemplifying here, he's talking about the attributes of God. He's talking about the attributes of God. And in the last verse that I read, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? He's basically essentially acknowledging God that there's really nowhere that I can run away or flee away from your presence, meaning that one of the attributes of God is that he's always there. He is everywhere. Okay, Um, But before we get into omnipresence, let's understand a little bit about the nature of God because you can't just pick one attribute of God, take it and run with it. You've got to take the entire pie, not just a slice. Okay? So, first thing is first. It is crucial to understand and connect all the attributes of God as one complete and perfect package, like I said. Omni, this, this term omni means all. 
Okay? So it's rather simple. Omni means all. One of the first attributes of God is omniscience. Okay? God is omniscient. God is a spirit and as such has knowledge. He is a perfect spirit and as such has perfect knowledge. So by omniscience, what that means is that God knows all things. God knows everything. Okay? And this is important to know because if you want to say that you serve this God, Yahweh, you need to know a little bit of his nature. He is a God that knows everything. He isn't a God that just knows something in your life. He knows all of it, and he knows all things. And then we read in scriptures in Job 37:16, it says, Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge? In 1 John 3.20, it says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Hmm. So scripture is very clear, acknowledging this attribute of God. The next attribute of known is known as omnipotence. You guys heard of this term, omnipotence. Okay, maybe some of you have. So essentially, this is referring that God has unlimited power. He has all power. He is all powerful. So this is another attribute. So God knows everything, and God is all-powerful. He can do everything and anything that he wants, except for something. There is one thing that he can't, and that's sin. He can sin, but he can do everything else because he is a holy God. Mm -hmm. That's probably a whole other sermon, getting to the holiness (laughs) of God and how that doctrine works. Um, (laughs) But we read in Job 42.2, it says this. It says, I know that you can do all things. You can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. In Genesis 1, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, um, this is like, this is it right here. I mean, this is hitting it on the bullseye. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And check this out. I know you guys have probably heard it. Maybe you haven't. But this is remarkable. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. That is rather powerful. That is rather powerful. So this is the God that we believe in, the God that we serve, is an almighty, powerful God. So now that we got those two pieces in place, now let's go to omnipresence of God, which means that God is present everywhere. That means that he's present here tonight. He means that when you're at school, God is present. It means that when you're maybe some places you shouldn't be, he's even present there. And I'll, I'll dive a little bit into that because that's a little sticky right there. Like going maybe to uh, a party and just getting high and getting drunk. God is present there. But he's present, present in a different way, and I'll explain that. In Psalm 139, 7, like I said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God is present and he is active and possesses full knowledge of all that transpires in every place. So I bring these up because it's important for us to comprehend and capture the entire essence of the nature of God. I can't believe that God is all-powerful without believing that he is, he is all-knowledge and he knows all things. I can't say that he knows all things without saying that he is not everywhere. So this is, if you bring them all together, you have a very great view of that God is really, there is no other God like Yahweh. He is supreme. And he is the only one true God. 
Now, now that we got the attributes, let's go to question number three. What is the difference between omnipresence and a manifest presence? So, like I said, God is everywhere. But by God being everywhere, that doesn't mean that God is everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that God is everything, and that's a pantheistic view, where essentially a lot of people believe that are in this religion is that even if you, take, if you touch a leaf from a tree, that is God. God is nature. God is this floor. God is this projector. God is everything. Let's not get that confused, because God is everywhere doesn't mean that God is everything. Okay, so we got to get that right. Now, the omnipresence of God. He's the ruler of the world, and, and he sees everything. He knows everything. Now, when I brought that up, I had a, when I said that, you know, there are some places that we go, and God is even there, too. Let me explain that a little bit. So I had a, um, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine, and she's like, you know, I'm going to go to this nightclub, and I just want to go have some fun. And, uh, but you know what the good thing is that God is present and God is there too because God is everywhere which in theory it is correct God is omnipresent regardless of what we do is right or what we do is wrong God sees everything and he knows everything but let's not take the attribute of God and use it to our own personal advantage or to give us justification right. of our own actions. It's good. It's good. Okay? That's very important. I told him, like, just because you're going there doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want yes God is present that doesn't mean that he's happy to see what it is you're doing. That doesn't mean he's happy to see you maybe um, uh, getting high or maybe hurting someone or, or committing whatever kind of crime. Yeah, he's there. He sees it. That doesn't mean that he approves of it. Good. Okay? So that's, that's an important piece right there. Now, this manifest present. Manifest present. God can be omnipresent and you cannot know him. That is a possibility. It is possible to be Someone that, and there's people right now, like, we'll go to, like, say, for anywhere else, just a random person that is maybe far from the Lord, has nothing to do with God, could care less who God is or what he's about, okay? God is still omnipresent in their life, because he sees them, and he knows everything, so he's still there. Now, the manifest presence of that is, it essentially means that God transcends from his omnipresence, and all of a sudden, he comes in a tangible way for you to feel his Okay. So let's dive into this a little bit. A.W. Tozer, a fantastic author, says some great things in his book, The Pursuit of God. And he says this, The presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be the one without the other. God is here when we are wholly unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of his presence. On our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God, for His work is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with Him in loving obedience, God will manifest Himself to us. And that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of His face. And that is remarkable. That is remarkable. The thing is, when the manifest presence of God is in your life, it's not only the fact that you know it, mm-hmm. but others around you know it. That's right. yeah. Others around you know it. So the best way to answer, if there's a manifest presence in your life of God, ask someone else. Mm-hmm. Ask someone else. And I sincerely mean this, you guys, is that when you can walk in a place 
And just by saying hi to someone or giving someone a hug or shaking a hand, they can feel that there's something different about you. There is, there is an anointed presence around you and people will feel and all of a sudden, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this, maybe around your friends or colleagues or fellow students, where someone will be like, dude, there's something different about you. I can feel like just hanging around you, there is something different about you. And that's not even you maybe even bringing up scripture. Mm-hmm. Just around your presence, it is the manifest presence of God. Okay? And this presence, the manifest presence, is here for all believers. It's here for all believers. Okay? So let's go into a little bit deeper now. Can I depart from this presence of God? And this is, uh, this is tough. This is a little tougher, so I prayed a little bit more, because theologically it can go so many ways, and there are multiple arguments here. <laughs> so, number one, can I depart from the omnipresence of God? Why don't you guys answer that? Can we depart from the omnipresence of God? No, we can't. Regardless of what it is that we do or we don't do or where we are or where we're not, we cannot depart from the omnipresence of God. Now, this begs the second question. Can I depart from the manifest presence of God? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Let's go into scriptures to see where we're going to see these answers. We look here at Genesis 3.8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. In Genesis 4.16 it says, So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod east of Eden. And this ain't the land of Nod from Creighton Barrel. Okay? This is a land of wandering in Hebrew translation. So he went from the presence of God after you guys know what Cain did. He committed the first murder and he killed his own brother. Okay? In Jonah 1.3 it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found the ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And Isaiah 59.2 now gets a little bit more on the internal aspect. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So we look at Adam and Eve departing from the presence of God meant for them that they did not want to hear the voice of God and they felt the need to hide from God. For Cain, departing from the presence of God meant that, that he knew better and he would wander far off and would go on this land of Nod. For Jonah, departing from the presence of God meant that he disagreed with God. And that essentially that he knew what was better than what God thought was good. And he fleed from God. And here in Isaiah, that departing from the presence of God could mean that you do not want to deal with the sins that are in your life. And this will formulate a barrier between you and God and the manifest presence will not be present in your life. We see God in pursuit to have fellowship with man and to manifest his face with us and to manifest his presence. He is in a relentless pursuit of our hearts. In 1 Timothy 2, 4 it says, He who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth God wants everybody to come to him, not just specific people. 
And this is maybe, I don't know if there's some Calvinists here maybe, or Arminians, or where you're at. I kind of fall in the middle, all right? Amen. So I don't want to offend anyone, but I believe that's kind of, that's more appropriate. Um, but I don't believe that God died for a select few. That's right. He died for the whole world. Yeah, that's right. And he's in a relentless pursuit yeah. for those people to come to know him right. and to be saved. Now as we continue on in question five, can I draw close to the presence of God? Can I draw close to the presence of God? So we know that we can depart from the presence of God. We see these, um, these Old Testament, some of them being prophets. Um, we see Adam and Eve departing from God. And, uh, and let's, guys, let's be frank. Okay. You and I both know that there have been times where we departed from the presence of God. Mm-hmm. We just didn't want to have to deal with that because we know that when the manifest presence of God is, things happen. Yeah. Things change. Mm-hmm. Things get shaken up. Mm-hmm. He makes you do things that you normally wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Or he makes you not do things that you would normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've all been there. And we've all been there in, in a desolate place where a lot of times our own actions brought us there far from the presence of God. But the reality is, and, and the word of encouragement that I have for you guys tonight is that the beauty of this is, is that if you ask your, yourself this question, can I come back into the presence of God, the beautiful answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. Absolutely yes. And A.W. Tozer, um, I'm going to use him again, he says something so remarkable here. And uh, when he talks about the nearness of God, and, uh, and essentially, uh, he says this, this is really neat. He says, so when we sing, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, we are not thinking of the nearness of place, but of the nearness of relationship. It is for increasing degrees of awareness that we pray for a most perfect consciousness of the divine presence. We need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thoughts. And then he says, why do some persons find God in a way that others do not? Why does God manifest his presence to some and let multitudes of others struggle along in the half-light of imperfect Christian experience? There's some deep questions here. Hmm. Of course the will of God is the same for all. He has no favorites within his household. All he has ever done for any of his children he will do for all of his children. Mm-hmm. The difference lies not with God, but with us. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Tozer. I agree with him, you guys. And, uh, you know, something that I thought about in terms of drawing closer to God and being near and being in his presence and, and living a life that is like so radical, like Brother Lawrence, where every little task that you do, you talk to God like he is right there present face to face. In a little task or a big project you might be working on or preparing for a sermon or for anything else, but living a radical life where you know that God is right there at all times. And even if that means you stepping away from someone and just go and talking to God because God is present and you felt the need. And I feel that God is kind of moving my life in that direction. I'm kind of becoming a little bit more radical, but it's the reality that the scripture teaches. Yeah, right. It's good. And uh, you might ask yourself, how can I draw near? Is there something physically that I have to do to draw closer to him? Um, how can we transcend space? Is there something in the law of physics that will bring us closer to God? And, uh, and it's really simple how it works, you guys. So think about this. Um, <coughs> I never met my father, okay? Um, um, my biological dad, I have no idea who he is, where he was. Um, 
my, as soon as he found out that my mom was pregnant, he decided, that he's like, I love you, but I don't have a kid, so he, he left. Um, so I never met my dad. But I would imagine, I would imagine maybe um, a father <coughs> and a son, okay, let's say here in Clacken. And, uh, and they lived in the same household, right? And, uh, and then the son moved out or whatever, and he's still living like half a mile away. So he's still like right there, pretty close to him, close proximity. And um, years pass, and they have a pretty mediocre relationship. They're not really close to each other. The son doesn't see eye to eye with, with his dad. His dad doesn't have any faith or trust in his son that he's going to amount to be anything. But there comes a time when all of a sudden they, uh, they start connecting, right? They start connecting, and they start understanding things, and they start comprehending things together, and their relationship starts growing. So if we look at it from a physical standpoint where they're at logistically, were they close to each other? Yes. They live right next to each other. But all of a sudden, it took this time when they started improving their relationship and started having that interaction. And then all of a sudden, that's the nearness and the closeness that we're talking about when it comes to the presence of God. Yeah. It's not the fact that, yes, God is in heaven and he seems like he's so far away, but the reality is, is that we can come close to him through the relationship that we want to have with our Father. Yes. And it boils down on our decision. How close do you want to be to him? Yeah. It's simple. How close do you want to be to him? Because he will not shun you away. Then we see, uh, I was really, it was really exciting to hear uh, Matthew in his prayer, because he, uh, he recited this verse, but in James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, uh, when he was writing to the church in Jerusalem in his epistle, he says this, he says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, a lot of people like, you know, sometimes I'll cherry pick a verse too if I want to put more of that emphasis on it. <laughs> but in this aspect, I'm going to read the whole verse because the rest of the verse is a little bit more, a little rougher on the edges. But there's a reason behind it. And he says this, he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I can share this with you guys because for the most part, you guys are under some amazing leadership here from Matthew. Uh, and this is more of a, a, a rough verse, but let's see exactly what James is talking about over here. Um, essentially, when he's talking about of drawing near to God, he's putting in comparison um, the Levitical priests. Okay? He's speaking to the church in Jerusalem, so that's the context of it. They understand his lingo. Okay? They understand his lingo. It's like me talking to you guys uh, about the Oregon Ducks. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys connect with me. Just a little quick rabbit trail on the Oregon Ducks. You know I'm a Buckeye fan, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's like, dude, the sermon was great, but now you just killed it for me, dude. Um, so I kid you not. I actually, I did not think Ohio State was going to win. I, I really didn't. I, I had Oregon winning uh, 42 to 34 was my score. Uh, but then to see Ohio State win as they did, it was rather remarkable. But thank God nobody slashed my tires. Everything was good to go. And the funny thing was, on my way home up to Vancouver, I was running out of fuel. And uh, I was thinking, I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to get out and pump gas. I was wearing my Buckeye hoodie and everything on my hands. I'm like, this is not good. But then I realized, I'm in Oregon. I don't have to put my own fuel. Like, God, you're so good. Um, so, but essentially, you guys understand my lingo, something that we can connect with. You kind of get what I'm talking about. So James is talking to a bunch of Jews that understand his lingo. And he's talking about these priests. And in Exodus 19.22, if you guys want to jot it down, it says, even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. So he's talking about this nearness that these priests had. 
Um, essentially, as he's, as he's continuing on, and he will come to you, but essentially what he's breaking down to is that, that anyone, um, anyone can have this approach and have this access to God. In Hebrews 7.19 it says, For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Uh, so it's not just a Levitical priest that have this access of drawing near to God, but it's open up to everyone because of this one man that changed everything. And his name is Yeshua Jesus. Okay? Um, essentially, he's boiling down that a heart that is redeemed by God, a heart that is redeemed by God, desires to have communion with God. So if you've given your life to the Lord, okay, you didn't just do it just because, all right, I can put a checkbox, I am saved, I did the part, I recited the prayer. But no, salvation is a commitment, it's a relationship. And you decide when you follow Jesus that you will listen to his ways, and his ways are better than my ways. So it's an it's a ongoing commitment and ongoing relationship. And I've met so many folks that I'm praying for, that you know what, everything is cool, I'm saved, I accepted Jesus, but their lifestyle, it's like, man, it's, it's not the ways of God. I'm not contradicting their salvation, okay, that's between them and God. But I do believe that all of us that have accepted the Lord, um, there is a unique calling of our lives. Right. And one of that is, is to spread the gospel. Right. How are you going to spread the gospel if there's no resemblance of holiness or no resemblance of the presence of God? Or that solemn commitment to be in relationship with God? Then when James talks about uh, the cleansing of the hands, to wash your hands, you sinners, um, this was a ceremonial act as well that the Old Testament priests did before approaching God. And here's what he's getting to. He said that he's basically the cleansing of the hands is, is a reference to the external condition of sin. Okay, The washing of hands is in reference to the external condition of sin. And then when he says purify your hearts, and the heart purification deals with internal conditions mm-hmm. of sin. Okay? Um, so you guys got that. The washing of the hands is in comparison um, to the external condition of sin. The purification of our hearts is for our internal condition of our sin. And then um, he, he says this, and then the last piece is, uh, which is double-minded. Um, have you guys ever met some double-minded people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have. Um, but here what he's, he's getting at is that uh, this expression essentially leads to a person that has their soul divided between God and the world. Hmm. That's what he's referring to. So it's someone that wants to have God in their lives, but also wants to be in the world as well. Someone that hasn't made their mind up, per se. Now, as we, uh, we approach, if I can have Bo, if I can have you come up and uh, kind of give me a little bit of love in the background on your acoustic. You guys like Bo, by the way? I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, I, I talked a little bit at length in regards to uh, this presence of God, you guys. And um, hopefully you guys understand this meaning now of what the presence of God is, what is omnipresence, what is the manifest presence. I got a little bit theological with you guys. Um, but essentially, guys, it is the presence of God um, that does everything for us. Yeah. It does everything. And uh, I've noticed at my, at my home church now, and, uh, and, Matt, and Matthew kind of gave a... Uh, I, I, how many of you guys are, by the way, at the 90s throwback party? 
Okay, so a good portion of you guys. Wasn't that an awesome time, by the way? Oh, yeah. And we had to dance off afterwards. That was so rad. <laughs> oh, you're the old man. That's right. That's right. That was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, we had such an awesome time. And uh, one of the things that, that came upon in my life is that, um, number one, I'm no longer there. I'm no longer at Agape Bible Church. Um, uh, I'm a member at a Bridgetown, a Jesus Church. You guys are familiar with Bridgetown. And uh, God opened up this door um, for me to join the team and to be a part of the Vancouver church plan, because I live in Vancouver. And uh, so I seek God in prayer. I'm like, Lord, you, you show me the signs. Um, I, I want to follow you and I want to be obedient to what you have calling in my life. So God, I need to feel you and I need to know what it is you want me to do. And I kid you not, you guys, the presence of God just physically, clearly came over me and, and showed me that this is what I have in store for you and for your future. Um, so for what it's worth, you guys keep me in prayers for the Vancouver Church Plan. Uh, things are already moving forward, even though the building is not there. Um, kind of like you guys, even though the building wasn't formed, so to speak, yeah. the church was still alive and active. Yeah, right. And you guys were moving, you guys are impacting your community. So that's where we're on the brink of, Lord willing, that's how we're starting. But I want to put such an emphasis on this, you guys, because the presence of God is so important. It's so important in our lives. It's so important in our churches. This manifest, tangible presence that God is there amongst His people. And the beauty of it is, is that for everyone that has accepted Jesus in their lives and have made that proclamation to follow Christ, He gives us this power. He gives us what is called His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what He gives us. That His presence will always be with us. And will be in us. But... Scripture talks about that there is also ways you can quench the Spirit, right? So I think what's important for us as believers is God just let your Holy Spirit flow. Let's not be just a believer or be a church that believes in your Holy Spirit, but a church that actively seeks the work and manifestation of your Holy Spirit. And I've been a part of some churches that they talk the talk when it came to actually doing things and letting the Holy Spirit of God move and transform and change its life. I don't want to have nothing to do with that. You know, it's kind of like Godfather, Holy Bible kind of thing, <laughs> you know, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. And that is God's presence that is manifested in our lives and is yeah, there for us. That's right. So for some of you guys, you might be thinking that maybe you're pretty far right now from the presence of God. And I don't know where you're at. But maybe you've probably either done some things, or not only that, maybe some things have been done to you or have been dealt to you that shouldn't have. But they put you in the state where you feel so far from the presence of God. You don't feel Him close anymore. You don't feel like you've got that intimacy anymore with God. And you feel like literally, as, as far as the heavens are from, from land, that's how far God is. It's like, I can't comprehend you, God. The beauty of it is, is that to come back into the presence of God, all it takes is one decision. Yeah, amen. That's right. That's right. And that decision solely comes through Jesus Christ. So, I don't know, I'm sure maybe all of you are saved here, praise God, maybe some of you are not. But if, if you want to feel this presence of God, and you want to have that nearness and that relationship that we're talking about, that only solely happens through Jesus Christ. Yes, right. Good. 
In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 10.9 it says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all Mm -hmm. and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the first step, you guys, I think that number one is if you want to come back into the presence of God, the step one is you need to make sure that your relationship with Christ is intact and that you believe him, you believe in him, and that he's not only your savior, but he's your Lord. That's right. And then the second piece, you guys, in terms of practical application and how to draw closer into the presence of God, don't be shy to talk to him. Don't think that you got to perform some ritual, light up a candle, dim the light, do all these things for God's presence to be manifested in your life. God is present with you at all times. And He can be manifested, He can be present and manifest in your life in the small things too. Mm -hmm. So if you might think that maybe your problem is too small for God, don't be mistaken. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too big. But literally talk to Him like God is present, He's right there, and He's just waiting for you. I'll give you guys an example. About a few months ago, I went. I normally go a few hours before youth group when I was at Agape, and I would just seek the Lord in prayer. And this time, I had a unique prayer. And uh, I, I come from a Pentecostal background. Okay, even though a Jesus Church is not Pentecostal, but it's it's rather charismatic actually. Um, but uh, the, the unique thing is, and I got to this point where uh, it was getting kind of tough. There were some things happening in my life where it was a little bit tough. Um, I was in the corporate world, I was in logistics, I, I took over some businesses, I actually take care of um, uh, two senior care homes, I manage them and I operate them, that's my business, so I take care of people before the Lord calls them home, um, that's what I do. But one of the homes uh, was getting in, in some problems, and uh, this was the home that my in-laws gave to me, and there is, long story short, there are some mortgage issues, and I was getting concerned because this is my bread and butter. Uh, you know, I, I was in full-time ministry, but I didn't draw a salary. That wasn't what sustained me. Um, there just weren't the funds there. But I came to the Lord in prayer, and I, I clearly said, God, I normally don't pray this. I normally pray for you to give me the faith to understand the seasons. Um, I pray for faith to understand the, the highs in life and the lows in life, and for me to be faithful through it all. But Lord, this time I'm going to pray a little bit more radically. God, you see the situation with this business. There's a good chance I'm going to lose the home. Lord, I need a sign from you to clearly show me that it is your will for me to be here. And the reason is that all my connections are on the East Coast. Um, all the VPs I know in the corporate role, they're in New York and Atlanta, um, Huntsville, Alabama, all throughout, all throughout the East Coast. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go back to the East Coast. I feel like there's something here in the Pac Northwest for me. Um, but God, would you just please um, help me be obedient to you through everything? But God, just show yourself. Just manifest your presence and show me something. I kid you not, you guys. I'm not fabricating this. 30 minutes pass. And I get a phone call. 
and I get a phone call from this lady that, hey, I heard about you. Um, I've got two care homes that I'm looking for someone to just come and take over the business. My husband is on a list at OHSU for a transplant. I just need someone to come and take over my entire business. So I just sat back and it's like, you don't understand you guys. This just doesn't happen. You don't just go knocking on door, hey, can I, can I get your business? And she, and I have no idea who this lady is. And, and she said, I, I heard about you from some other lady that I never met. Wow. Okay. But this is what it means when you truly start engaging into the presence of God. Crazy things happen. Miracles happen. So we shouldn't be surprised that God comes near and He shows us who He is. And at that time, I felt God pretty far away. God, I don't see it. I can't comprehend the logistics. I don't see how this happened. But then when you start getting into His presence, you start realizing that, you know what? I'm not in control of my destiny, God. But you are. I don't know the future. I don't know what it holds. But I know who holds my future. So the beautiful it is is that that Plan B and Plan C was through this business. I take over their businesses. um, And God is so faithful. I can provide for my family. Um, And God is, that's just one example. But God lately has been showing himself up in real ways where I cannot say that Claude did this. Claude is so intelligent and so smart. And he put up this proposal and everyone's like, yeah, here's my business. Take it over. It had nothing to do with me. But it had everything to do with the God that I serve. That's right. A God that is real. That's right. So, beloved, why don't you guys go ahead and stand up with me. And uh, I'll lead us in a prayer. And then, Bo, if you can lead us in, uh, in some songs of worship, that would be awesome. Lord God, I, I thank you, Father, for tonight. Jesus, I pray specifically for Ecclesia. I pray for Pastor Matthew. I pray for everybody that is here tonight, yes, God. Yeah. Holy Spirit, would you just come right this moment, Lord God, and uh, would you minister to your sons and to your daughters, God. Yes, God. Lord, things get so loud at times in our lives. And there's a lot of things that happen in our lives, Lord God, that potentially draw us far from you, Lord. But Jesus, tonight, my prayer is, God, that uh, you'll engage with your children. For we are crying out to you and we are praying for you to manifest your presence, God. Help us, Lord, this evening. Make a solemn commitment, Lord God, that we are in this for the long run. Yeah. You are our Father, and you are close to us, and you are near to us, Lord God. Help us tonight to realize that truth. Yeah, thank you, God. Lord God, when the enemy comes, and he tells us that you are so far away, and that we can have no communion with you, or maybe the sins that we have committed, or the things that we've done, or the things that have been done to us, Lord God, I rebuke the attack of the enemy and those lies that he speaks to your children, God. But I pray tonight that your truth, Lord God, will remain strong and only your Holy Spirit will speak to your sons and to your daughters, Lord God. That you are a God that regardless of what we do, as long as we repent and we come back to you, you are there welcoming us home. Yes, come on. Praise Father, you are so gracious, Lord. Thank you. And you are so amazing. We worship you, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that maybe there is someone here tonight that truly 
needs you to come and to show up and to manifest your presence in a real powerful way. Lord, in all humbleness and meekness, we ask, Lord, would you do that? Come on. Praise. Would you do that, Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you just come and do that, God, and minister and speak, Lord God. Speak the things that I cannot speak, that only your Spirit can speak, Father God. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for your word, Lord Jesus, that you are a God that is up in heaven, but, God, you are a God that is so near to us, for you are in us through your Holy Spirit that's been given to us, children. So, Lord, be with Ecclesia. I entrust Pastor Matthew and the leaders and everyone that is involved, all these amazing men and women of you, Lord God. I ask for your blessing over them, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that, God, you will remind them tonight that you have got some amazing, great things in store for them and for the ministry of Hillside Christian Fellowship here in Clackamas. So, Holy Spirit, speak words of encouragement, motivate them. And, Lord God, may your truth, Lord God, just reach the depths of everyone here in the community, God, regardless of how close how far away they are from you, Lord. Just draw them near through your sons, through your daughters, Lord Jesus. So we thank you, God. We praise you. And may your name be lifted on high continuously. Amen.